Thanks for joining us at Reveal, a Jesus-centered community. To learn more about us and what's going on, check us out on the web at www.revealvineyard.com. We hope in the minutes to come, you're able to find God, find others, and find yourself. Thanks again for listening. Hey, uh, it's great to be here. I'm super fired up. I've had this knot in my stomach for weeks. We're starting this brand new series, like Marty said. And uh, he kind of pulls from the bullpen every so often. And he pulled uh, from the bullpen this time. I love coming out of the bullpen because I have no reveal email. I have no uh, reveal phone. So your complaints don't come to me. It's super cool. You just kind of dive in. Marty gets all the complaints, then all good, right? So I'm going to read to you a passage that really is, is where we're headed in this series. Uh, it's a fantastic series, and so, so don't miss. Uh, but I'm going to set up the series if I can. Um, and there's just three passages that I'm going to be talking about today, three verses. So it's called Mastermind. And like Marty said, change your thinking, change your life, right? Change your thinking, change your life. And I titled this Breaking Strongholds. And we're going to get a little deeper into that. But think about it. Our thoughts are more than just a reaction to what's happening in our lives, right? It's this powerful force, really, that's shaping us for who we are and who we are to become. Change your thinking, change your life. And so we're on a plane right now, and we're taking off. And I'm going to kind of get you to the 20,000-foot level and let you oversee what this message series is all going to be about. And you know I'm kind of a straight shooter. I'm kind of a loud talker, and and I'm a fast talker. And if that irritates you, you're just going to be irritated for 35 minutes, all right? So let me, uh, let me just start by a word of prayer, uh, and uh, we'll go from there. God, thank you for the opportunity to, first of all, be a messenger for you. God, I just, I, I pray, I strongly pray, God, that your spirit will open up hearts and open up minds to, uh, to the people in here this morning. God, there's some good information here that, that you are using me to communicate, and wow, what, a, what, an, what an awesome opportunity for me. So over the course of the next three or four weeks, I pray that this message series is life-changing for people. God, we love you. We love you because you sent your son Jesus to die for us so we can be with you in heaven. And that's, that's the best part. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so over the course of the next four weeks, we're going to look at the mind of the Apostle Paul. And I, and I know, ladies, what you're thinking. We're, we're, we're looking at the, the mind of a man because there's not much up there. Go with that, whatever. But what I love about this guy is towards the end of his life, if anybody won the battle of a mind or their mind, it was the Apostle Paul. I mean, Paul mastered his thinking, and Paul mastered his thoughts. And the good news for you and the good news for me is that he wasn't always there, right? In fact, if you read some of his earlier writings, uh, sometimes he actually looked crazy, right? Which is really encouraging for me because oftentimes my mind is super crazy, I've had these, this own issue in my own life when, when I have all these awful thoughts that run through your head and run through your mind. And for those of you that have never been up here teaching God's word, the last three or four weeks, I've been bombarded with that stuff in my own mind, right? Paul actually said one time, and this is the great thing because he continued to battle, he said this. He said, the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, I end up doing. As crazy as that sounds, he says, who can help me? Who can actually deliver me from this body of death? And so Paul describes himself. He battled again and again and again and again and again in his mind, but he battled. 
right? And he fought, and he won, and he took ground, and over time, he mastered his thoughts. Church, he mastered his thinking, and even when life was stacked up against him in the Roman prison, he captured, right, captured his thoughts in his mind. And that's what we're going to be talking about over the course of the next four weeks. And so let me just set the tone by reading God's word. Uh, And this is the Apostle Paul, right? These are his words found in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. And you can follow along with me on the screen. For though we live in the world, he says, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, he says, they have divine power to do what? Demolish strongholds, right? We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And what? We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take captive. Everybody do that. We take captive. You're going to be doing this when you leave here. You take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Paul says we don't wage war as the world does. The weapons that we fight with, for those of you that are followers of Jesus Christ, you have access, right, to these supernatural weapons from the kingdom of heaven, right? The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. Paul says, on the contrary, we have these weapons that have divine power. You get that, church? Divine power, right? Someone say Jesus power. That's exactly what we have. The Greek word here translated in this specific passage is the word dunamis, which we get our word dynamite from. So it's this explosive, miraculous power of God. And so he says the weapons that we fight with have heavenly divine power to do what? What did the scripture say? To demolish what? To demolish strongholds. What's a stronghold? That's a great question, church. Thanks for asking because I'm going to answer it to you right now. A stronghold is not just a word we use every single day, right? It's, it's not in our regular vocabulary. Uh, but it comes from a Greek word, akaroma, which means fortified prison, right? That's what a stronghold is. It means a fortified prison. In fact, one commentary I was reading, uh, they used the word, uh, uh, this word was translated, a prisoner. Basically, it means you're a prisoner in a fortified prison, right? You're a prisoner locked by deception. You're a prisoner locked by lies. And if we are to be honest and transparent, and the masks come down here at Reveal, some of you are in that prison now, right? And so maybe the next question you might ask is why? Why does, why does that even make any difference to me? Well, this is why you're in that prison is because you've believed the lies that you've been told for most of your life, right? And so what does our enemy do, church? What, what does our enemy do? Our enemy tries to shape our thinking one lie at a time so that we're in this prison believing things that aren't even true, right? And so what does the enemy often tell you? Like if I were to sit down with you and you were to buy me dinner, be cool. And I said, what does your enemy often tell you? How would you answer that? That you can't trust people, that you can't let people know the real you, that you have these chronic feelings of insecurity or guilt, right? Or shame or anxieties or bitterness or resentment or envy or or jealousies or you have unforgiveness in your heart. You have this feelings of powerlessness over anger. 
you're driven by fear and depression and the ability to actually deny the truth. And if you go a little bit deeper, many of you believe this, that God doesn't really love you and that God doesn't really care about you and that God doesn't ever answer your prayers and that you're never going to get over it and your life is always going to be bad and you're always going to be hurting in your life and that you can never really have real intimacy in your life. Whatever it is, the enemy is lying to you. And the enemy lies and lies and lies and lies to you. And this is what Paul says in this passage. He says, we demolish that church, right? We crush that. We conquer that. We destroy that. We demolish arguments of every pretension, he says. And pretension is just really any claim that goes against the word of God. It says we can crush that with that divine power that we have. We conquer it. We demolish it, right? We can obliterate it. We crush everything that is not in line with God's truth. And so what do we do, right? What do we do with that? We take captive, right? Come on, church. We take captive. You guys think you're weird. It's all right. We take captive, right, of every thought, every single thought, and we make it obedient to Christ. So over the next few weeks, we're going to learn to recognize any thought that is not from God. And we're going to capture that thought. And we're going to make it obedient to Christ, right? And so what what does that even matter, right? Why does that even matter? Such a great question. So smart this morning, church. The life that you have, follow me, the life that you have is a reflection of the thoughts that you think. The life that you have is a reflection of the thoughts that you think, right? Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. So if you are decepted and you have been lied to, your strongest thoughts are lies and you're following those lies. Right? Change your thinking, change your life. In fact, it's going to go up on the screen. Take a picture of it because that's the new way we do notes around here, right? Take a pic. Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. I'm going to say it again. I want this to sink in. If you, if you walk away with nothing than this today, what a great, profound, deep, reflective thing. Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. In Proverbs, it says this, For as a person thinks, as he thinks in his heart, so he is. Translated to this, As you think, you become. So behaviors and actions, I feel, are driven by various things. These are my top three. Your beliefs, your values, and your culture. Beliefs, what I mean by that is what you think or believe in. What you, not your people around you, what you believe or think in, right? Think or believe in. What you value, what you value and culture, how you individually were raised, and your experiences, Think about those three things in your life and how that drives your actions and drives your behaviors. Why do you think relationships are so hard? Because both of you are bringing in your own beliefs, your own values, and your own cultures, and you're trying to intermix that, and it makes it very difficult because some people don't budge, right? So if you have irrational values, beliefs, and a culture, guess what your life looks like? Irrational and unhealthy, right? If you think you can't, church, you probably won't. 
If you believe through Christ that you can, you probably will. If you believe that you're a victim and always suffering at the hand of some outside circumstance, you will always be a victim. If you believe that you can overcome through the power of Christ, you will overcome. And if you're always looking at the problems and dwelling on the problems, your problems will overwhelm you, right? We always look at our problems. But in contrast to that, if you're looking for solutions and you're looking for the work of God in your life, you will find solutions and see God working. Change your thinking, change your life. And so what do we know about our thoughts? Great question, again. For almost all of us, in almost every situation, most of life's battles are won or lost in the mind. Right? They're won or lost in the mind. The mind is the battlefield. So you children of the 80s, right, you thought the love was the battlefield, thanks to Pat Benatar. Your mind is a battlefield. And it's a battle between God's truth Right? God's truth about you and Satan's lies to you. And it's a war between God's truth and between your enemy's deceptions. Aaron Beck, who's the developer of cognitive behavioral therapy, calls these patterns of thoughts cognitive distortions. Another, another way we can say it is irrational or unhealthy or distorted thinking. And he noticed something about his patients that they tended to get caught up in this feedback loop in which irrational negative beliefs cause these powerful negative feelings, which in turn, which is crazy to me, seemed to drive the patient's reasoning, and it actually began to motivate them to find evidence to support their negative beliefs. How many of you in here this morning are supporting Satan's lies in your mind? That's what he's talking about right here. And if you don't think you have cognitive distortions, I encourage you to look up the most common cognitive distortions, Google it. And you will laugh because you'll be like, that's me. That's me, that's me, and that's probably me. Or better yet, ask somebody, is that me? We have them. Maybe they're not destructive for you, but we have them. And so the first thing that I want to do is this. And think about it, I only, I'm only going to give a couple things that I, I want to try to do because basically by Tuesday, you're going to forget 95% of the stuff we talked about in here, right? So you're going to walk away with two things. The first thing I want you to do is this, identify the number one stronghold that's holding you back. You individually, not the person on your left, not the person on your right, you individually, Identify the number one stronghold that's holding you back. And so what's a stronghold? Let me recap. It's a prisoner locked by deception. What is the lie? What is the deception in your life? What is your enemy using to keep you from living the the life that God wants you to live? And for some of you, for some of you in here, you're still trying to figure out your past in order for you to live and function in the present. And I love it how... Faith and science collide because Dr. William Glasser, who is a famous psychiatrist who to today they use his theories in counseling, said this. If we believe that we cannot function in the present until we understand our past, then we as individuals have chosen to be prisoners of, us, of what is already over. And as crazy as that sounds, 2,000 years before that, 
faith already beat it to the punch. Apostle Paul says this, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on one thing. He says, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. His past did not define him. His past did not cause him to have some sort of stopping point in his life. He also said that I have not achieved it in that passage. So thankful to hear that because either have I. And I'm hoping you can admit that either have you. And I want you to hear this talk today, this message today. I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching with you because I struggled with the same thing in my own life. What is the number one lie or stronghold that's holding you back, church? Maybe you just hear it in your self-talk, that I'm never going to be good enough, right? I'm never going to have enough. My past is too bad. And after all that I've done, God could never, ever use me, right? I can't trust anybody. I, I can't even get close to anybody. After all that they did to me, I'll never trust anybody again. I'm never going to have a job that I love. I'm always going to be well behind everybody else. I'm never going to have enough. I'm never going to be enough. I'm never going to just be enough, period. All my relationships, no matter how hard I try, they all fall apart. Church, you have to name yours. In your head, right now, name yours. And I can't overstress how important this is. Your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. And so there's a battle. And almost every battle, think about it, even in the marriage that you have, is a result of the thoughts that you think. Your financial standing is often a result of the mindset about what you think about in your life, right? The joy or lack of joy you have is based on what you think in your life or what you focus on or what you believe about you. And over the course of the next four weeks, counting today, we're diving into that. We're diving deep into that stuff. And so what happens and why is that so important? Whenever we have a thought, and, and, and you have these next couple things, man, you, you have to just, nothing in your head except this. You've got to follow me on this. Whenever we have a thought, our brain literally redesigns itself around that thought. There's this changing chemical makeup of the brain. And every single thought creates this neurochemical, neurochemical change in our body. And if you think a positive thought, right, your body rewards you with this legal drug called dopamine. Everybody say dopamine. You're going to have to help me again. So remember that word. It gives you a, little, a legal buzz, right? This quick hit, this cheap thrill. And everybody knows that feeling. So say it again, dopamine. When I point to you, I want you to say dopamine. All of you, ready? So you hear some, you hear some good news in your life. Yeah, that's right. It hits you, right? Someone that you like comments on your Instagram post. That's right. Somebody says, ooh, you're looking good today. Yeah, my wife Susan says, I'm thinking about you. Come home. Yeah, good. It's that little chemical hit, right? That high, that thrill, and your brain is saying, I like that thought. So if I like that thought, I'm going to think that thought again. And what happens is the more you think that thought, the more you're creating what scientists call these neural pathways in your brain. So let's go back a little bit when we're looking at not so much positive and dopamine, but what about the negative, the irrational, the unhealthy thinking? Let me explain what a neural pathway is. It's a connection between a number of neurons or nerve cells in a different parts of the brain which are connected by, and they communicate with synapses. I know pretty deep, but here it goes. 
the more those certain neurons fire and communicate, the stronger the neural pathway becomes. The more you think negative thoughts, the stronger the neural pathway comes. And so you just created a neural pathway. Your brain creates a path kind of like if there was this big patch of new grass and all I did was just go like this, right, back and forth. What's going to happen? I just created a path along the path of the grass and you can see my path. Or if there's a big thing of shrubs, right, and you can't get through the shrubs so you kind of climb and crawl and all of a sudden you stamp down the shrubs and you have this little pathway. That's what that's kind of talking about. Your thoughts, the more you think of the thought, it's easier to think that thought again. In fact, you think that thought uh, enough, that thought becomes your default thinking. And it becomes your default thoughts in your brain. And if you tell yourself that you don't have enough over and over and over and over again, you create this pathway where it's easier to think that you're never going to have enough rather than believing that God is your source for everything, right? And all we're doing, church... We're reinforcing those lies in our life. All you're doing is the actions or unhealthy actions, you're reinforcing those thoughts. And so I'm a licensed therapist, and this is free. I'm going to give it to you for free. Don't charge you for this. Two words. You've got to remember this. Stop it. That's good stuff right there, right? Too bad it's not that easy, Right? I wish you can just say stop and it just magically goes away. So what we've been doing is you've created these negative neural pathways in order to change your thinking. So in in order to do that, we have to change the path that our thoughts travel on. So for example, if, if I've got nothing but a negative path, I have to stop and say, wait a minute. That's not healthy. That's not a God honoring thought, right? That thought's not helpful for me. It's not productive. It's not in God's word. Therefore, I'm going to capture that thought, and I'm going to choose a different thought, right? I'm choosing to walk this way towards a different thought, and I'm creating this new pathway, right? We already have these negative, unhealthy pathways, right? We've already developed a path, but now you're going to learn to to have new thoughts and a new pathway. And here's what happens. If you continue to travel an unhealthy pathway, the path is clear. I kind of described that, and it's easier to travel, But if you choose to stay off the unhealthy pathway, over time, the shrubs start to grow back. The grass starts to grow back, right? And it's easy, and it's not as easy to travel down that path anymore. Nor is it appealing. It begins to look less appealing. And then you create a new set of pathways, these God-honoring thoughts, and suddenly... The God truth, the healthy pattern of thinking, being obedience to Jesus becomes your default instead of, it beco- instead of the lie becoming your default. Does that make sense? And so what we're trying to do is to create God-honoring neural pathways in our brains. For example, and there's thousands of examples, if you have a frustrating day at work and you come home and there's chaos everywhere, that's probably all of our lives, right? You got the kids, and you got the spouse that acts like a kid, and you get home, and it's just chaos. And every day when this happens, the first thing you do is you yell. 
I don't, I'm not going to say everybody raise your hand who does that because we would all be raising our hand, right? So you just yell. So what you did is you created this pathway that says whenever there's chaos, whenever there's or, or, or uh, kind of craziness in my life, that's my go-to because you've reinforced it all of those other times, right? So anytime there, there's chaos, you're going to yell. So here's what we do by capturing our thinking, right? By capturing that thought, look look something like this and go, I'm going to replace that thought with a God-honoring thought, with a healthy thought. Maybe you need to stop and count to 10. For some of you, 500. (laughs) Whatever you need, right? Maybe you have to go embrace your kids. Maybe you need to just sit and pray before you walk in the door. Maybe you need to go embrace or, or connect with your spouse. Whatever that is for you, it's creating a new pathway in your life. Whatever it is, you have to name it. You have to be real with yourself, and you have to name it. Because you cannot defeat what you cannot define. Give it a name. This is a lie from the enemy that has kept me in prison. And maybe we have a list. My list was very long. There's no way you're going to demolish all 15 or 20 if you have that strongholds in a day. Take your top one and say that this is a lie from the enemy that has kept me in prison for so long in my life. Name it, church. And we're going to attack that over the course of the next few weeks. Identify that one stronghold. That's the first thing. Second thing is this, is I want you to name the truth that demolishes that stronghold. Gets a little tougher now, right? What is the truth? We're not going to travel the old unhealthy, unhelpful path anymore. Instead, we're going to say, that is a lie. I'm not going down there again. And some of you, some of you are locked in a prison, and the only lock on the door to that prison is a lie. So identify what that lie is. Identify the truth. And the truth, I promise you, church, will set you free. I want to look at this text again. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought and make it obedience to who? To to our enemy? No, to Jesus Christ. The weapons that we fight with, church, are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, Paul says, listen, our weapons have heavenly power. They have divine power. Peter says this in 1 Peter 1.3, His divine power has given us nothing, everything. It doesn't say nothing. It doesn't say it gives us some things. It says his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through the most important part of it. It's the knowledge of him and his truth who called us by his own glory and goodness. And so what do we do? What do we do? We take captive... I want to see you in your car this week. We take captive every thought and we make it obedient, obedient to Christ. And I love this word captive 
because it comes from a Greek word that literally means this. It means to arrest or to seize with a sword or a spear. When you're taking a thought captive, you are spearing that bad boy, getting it out of your life and replacing it with God-honoring thoughts, right? So this is what your life has to look like, church. Your old lie is, I live with too much shame. Your new truth is, no one who puts his trust in Christ will ever be put to shame. Your old lie is, I'm too weak for this. Your new truth is, give all your cares for the Lord and he will give you strength. Your old lie is, I'm so afraid. Your new truth is, for I am the Lord your God who holds your right hand and I will help you. Your old lie is, I, will, I live with so much guilt for my sins. Your new truth is, he has taken me from the sins, from, or he, he has taken our sins as far from east, as far from west. Your old lie is, I have lost hope. Your new truth is, Christ in you brings hope of all great things to come. Your old lie is, I'm not attractive and I'm not good enough. Your new truth is, no, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your old lie is, I'm just miserable and always hurting. Your new truth is, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Your old lie is, but I'm always coming or I'm always going to be alone. Your new truth is, no, he will never leave me and he will never forsake me. Your old lie is, I can't get it all done and I never will. Your new truth is, no, when I am weak, he makes me strong. Your old lie is there's too much to overcome in my life, and I'm always going to be who I am. I'm always going to be addicted. And the new truth says no. I am an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and by the words of his testimony, and I am not who the enemy says that I am. I am who God says I am. Church, we need to walk in that. The more we walk in this, the more God's pathway becomes clear. And the easier it is to travel, and the more his truth becomes our default in our crazy minds. Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Make it be truth and not a lie anymore. Right? What comes into your mind will come out in your life, period. I see it every day of my life. You cannot have a positive life when you have a negative mind. So let me close with this, with a little bit of application. Two points of application. I think the question, and this was, I think the Spirit was pounding this into me. So I'm just going to let you know what that sounds like. Is regardless of what happened in the past, what am I going to do about it right now? Regardless of what happened in your past, what are you going to do about this right now? I'm convinced, church, that this is the question that God wants to ask every one of us in here. He wants to know, what are we willing to do right now? Because he's completely aware of what's happened in your life and the thoughts that in your mind every second. And yet he still loves you more than you will ever know. And he asks, What are you going to do about it right now? He says, I'm here with you, right? Will you begin to hold your thoughts captive, right? Replace the lies for my truth. Lies for truth. Jesus said in John 8, 32, he said, and you will know the truth and the truth will what? It absolutely will. 
I think we walk around understanding that the truth will set us free, and yet we still hold and we're still imprisoned by what the enemy says is true. Transformative learning. I don't know if you've ever heard this expression before. Transformative learning. It's a great question. Thanks for asking what it is. Transformative learning. This is profound. It's learning that transforms. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody should be like, oh, my gosh. He's smart. And what I mean by transformative is it transforms your thinking and transforms your actions in your life. That's transformative learning. So I press into that because the next few weeks, it's going to be loaded with this kind of learning. Because there's three pieces to this learning. The first one is an expanded awareness. You are going to get an expansion of awareness on all of the pieces that I just talked about and even more. It's going to expand your thinking and expand your awareness on the topic. The next piece is critical reflection. You can't be humanly possible. You can't be humanly possible. That doesn't sound right. You can't be a human if you don't have some form of critical reflection in your life. After each message. So the first piece is you're going to get an expanded awareness. You're going to have a critical reflection of what you need to do. And this is where people stop. Because the last piece is reflective action. Want to know why they stop at reflective action? Because it's the hardest piece. Do you want to live in a fortified prison for the rest of your life? then don't stop at critical reflection. Stop at reflective action because it just means you're doing something about it. James says, and don't just be a hearer. Do a what? Be what? A doer. We stop at just hearing because doing's too hard. The next piece of application is this. Pretty tough. Come back for the next three weeks. Seriously. Every week. Here's another cognitive distortion for you. Marty's our pastor. We love him to death. I love him to death. He's been my pastor for seven or eight years. For some of you, it's been 20 years. If you just think that Marty is the only one that can teach you things, somebody's lying to you. Marty's a phenomenal communicator. But there's some people that are going to speak the next few weeks that will speak into your life if you allow them to speak into your life. And I pray for that for you. Amen? Let's, let's stand and pray. God, thank you so much for the opportunity to share your word. There's so much substance there, God. I, I pray that the Holy Spirit in each and everybody here will intertwine that part of their life and where that fits. And God, this is, this is what I pray through this message series. That people will, won't just be hearers, but they will, they will do. They won't just take the critical reflection, God, but they will take reflective action on their life and begin to replace the lies with your truth. May we walk out of here better than how we came in. May we love more than we've ever loved before. And may you watch over us as we go down this path of changing our thinking so we can have a changed life. We love you dearly, for we ask in your name. Amen. God bless you, everybody. We'll see you guys next week.